Welcome to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. This thing is huge. It's the greatest, most outrageous, incredibly fun podcast on the internet today. It's all about the Don. The most spectacular entrepreneur alive today. For entrepreneurs who also want to dominate their market and destroy their competition. You should be your competition's huge problem. This is the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast with Steve Cypress and Everett Fornell. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. To be honest, we have no choice. This is the, to be honest, I mean, we have no choice. This is the greatest podcast, to be honest, in the history of mankind. I mean, we have no choice but to be an awesomely huge, unbelievably excellent podcast. Speaking of which, I have no choice, to be honest, but then to introduce the greatest co-host in the history of podcasting, Mr. Everett Farnell. Oh, Steve, as always, you're kind and you're a gentleman. And i got to tell you something. Our listeners, they're doubling and tripling their revenue. It's outrageous. They're just, their, their revenue is doubling and tripling and quadrupling. They're seeing quantum leaps in their business. It's like they're having double and triple their sales just from listening and implementing what we're doing here. We're having such a huge effect on the entrepreneurial arena in America and around the world because revenue is doubling and tripling. It's amazing. And you know what else? They're actually even doubling and tripling the revenue because of the podcast. Well, to be honest, it's, to be it's honest. really not that hard if you, if you do what we say to do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even keep a straight, I can't even keep a straight face. Oh, dear listener. So what's the topic this week? Because, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the news, we're not really talking about any of the major ridiculousness that's going on because there'll be plenty more and it'll still be, well, no, probably anything that's earth-shattering and the, the end of mankind and the end of Trump's presidency will still not be happening next week. There'll be all new stuff. But I wanted to talk about what Trump is doing with his summer vacation. So everyone remembers back in grade school, and when you're back to school, you always had to write that paper or give that talk like what I did over my summer break. Here's what Donald Trump is doing. The summer break is known to be a time where Congress goes on vacation. Not, I'm laughing because not, not, they never do anything anyway, so I don't even know what going on vacation means for them. But not a lot gets done. People are on vacation. The media is on vacation. And if anyone's under any misunderstanding that the media reports the news, I'm sure you know that's ridiculous. The media creates the news because they're media. Why do you think nothing ever happens at night? Not because news doesn't happen at night, because they're all asleep. They work from 9 to 5. But anyway, so there's a summertime. It also happens to be primary season heading into an off-presidential, but it's a congressional election year. And so Trump is hitting the campaign trail, which if you've ever watched his speeches on the campaign trail, you know that that's where he's really in his element. The P.T. Barnum in him comes all out. He's such a showman. He loves to now his whole routine. We talked about this a lot two years ago, back on the campaign trail, before he ever got, it's hard to believe, but if you go back and listen to some of the earliest episodes of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, you'll hear us talking about when the whole argument, should he read off a teleprompter or not, gee, let Trump be Trump, he's better when he's off, well, now he's got the mixture of both, right, so you'll see him reading off awkwardly, I love it, awkwardly reading off the teleprompter, and then actually talking the way he wants to talk by ad-libbing and throwing in a whole bunch of stuff. My favorite thing is when he says, true after something he just said, because he knows that he didn't write it, he didn't even know what was going to be on there, he just read it, and then he said, oh, yeah, that's true. But 
I want to discuss here with Everett, because Everett, for people that, for some reason, if you've been living under many rocks and you are hidden in a cave and can't even scuba dive your way out of there, and therefore you don't know that Everett Farnell is one of the master wordsmiths alive in the universe today and understands better than almost anybody of all time the power of persuasion in words and what they mean so as you watch Donald Trump do any of these rallies and give any of these talks, we want to give you some things to look for. So Everett, if you would, I'm just going to list a few things off that I've been noticing in his rambling, hilariously entertaining campaign rally speeches. And I know that just on the fly, by the seat of your pants with no prior preparation, because I'm just going to throw these out at you, you will explain the purpose of what he's doing and how a business owner can use the same persuasive tactic in their communication. Can we do that? Absolutely. That sounds- All right, so here we go. So one thing, and you know, I say that I'm um, throwing them out there, but I did throw them out there, to be honest, like 20 seconds before we started the recording. So <laughs> about 20 seconds before the recording, I said, we have no choice, and i got to tell Everett these things, to be honest, and I just threw them out there right before we started the recording, you see, like about 20 seconds. Well, I just yeah, said to myself, to be honest, we have no choice. We just want to be honest with the so i got to throw it out there. So the first thing is, we have no choice. Okay, the phrase, we have no choice. Now, Donald Trump, I just want to give a little background, then I'm going to turn it over to you, because this peeves me off to no end whenever I hear somebody say this in person or on social media when they say it. I always come back with, especially if they're an American, I always come back with, are you being ridiculous? You're an American. Last I checked, so there a lot of what people love to complain about the weather. So like heat wave right now as we speak going across America, and that means yesterday was 114 degrees here in Phoenix where I am but it was like 95 or 100 with humidity all over the country. And so people complain about that. And then I'll say, so why are you still there? Oh, you know, it always sucks here in the summer, and it sucks here in the winter, and the taxes are too high, and it just sucks. And I'll always put a comment on their post, and they'll go something like, you know, so why are you still there? And they'll come back with, well, you know, I have no choice. And I always, I, it just irks me, it just peeves me off. I just come back with, like, <laughs> last I checked, you're in America. And you can move if you want. And you actually, it's the quite opposite. You absolutely have so many choices, it's unbelievable. You have, if you want to stay in America, in fact, you have 49 choices of what state to move to. You have untold counties to choose to. If you're thinking about what school system for your kids or where to find a job, you have thousands and thousands of companies to work for. I mean, last I checked, especially in America, you have nothing but choice. Now, just for a point of clarity, none of these people I'm talking about are billionaires. They're not even millionaires. But they're certainly not billionaires, and they're certainly not the most powerful man on earth. If anyone you would think would have choice in their life, it would be a billionaire and or the most powerful person in the world. You would think they could call down to wherever the kitchen is and wherever they're living and order anything they could possibly think of to eat, done in any possible way, that they could have a meeting with anybody, that they can get on the phone with anybody, that at any time he can call a press conference, he can buy anything he wants, he can travel to anywhere he wants, he can just say, I'm going to wherever. I mean, if anyone has a choice, it's Donald Trump. So why ever? Please tell me why Donald Trump constantly says we have no choice. Well, because 
the uh, there's an age-old tenant in persuasion and in marketing that says to enter the conversation that's going on in your prospect tent. And when you do that, then you convince them that you're like them. So you've got to realize that people every day, just like you said, every day from sea to signing sea and all around the world tell themselves they have no choice. i got to get up and go to work. I don't have a choice. Well, of course you have a choice. You don't have to get up and go to work. You could stay in bed. That's oh, you choice. know, I love, by the way, well, I, 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 I won't get to interrupt you for a second, but I love when you just said that, I got to or I have to. That's another one I call people on. Like, you don't got to, you don't have to anything. But, man, you're, right. of right. course, right on target. That's what people always say. I got to. I have to. I got to. I have to. I don't have a choice in the matter. I have to do this. I have to do that. Well, so people use that as an excuse all the time to justify doing things that they don't want to do or to just justify to themselves doing things that they don't want to do because not to do it is scary or takes some effort or takes a lot of effort. And they don't want to put forth the effort or they don't want to face their fears of, of doing new things. So now here comes Donald Trump and he says, we don't have a choice. And people say, yeah, I know how you feel. I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You got to do what you got to do, right? I had to get up this morning and go to work. Man, I got it. See, I asked the right person. That makes so much sense because that's what Trump is all about. And we have discussed that now that you tell me that's what he's doing. We have discussed that on early episodes of the podcast when we talked about the fact that he eats McDonald's and he talks like a blue-collar guy. And the phenomenon of Donald Trump is that blue-collar average Joes, especially (laughs) uneducated, just an Ivy League-educated, born a son of a millionaire, now a billionaire, flies around on a private 747 with a gold toilet. I mean, if anyone had choice and had freedom and was elite, it's this guy. And yet, you're right, he is such a master of having people say he's just like me. And so now I get it. Okay, is that going to be the answer for the others? Here's another one I want to bring up. Okay. Repeating. I know repetition is the mother of learning or all that kind of stuff, but Trump, being an ADD entrepreneur, is always starting a sentence and then not finishing it and going off on another topic, but he he repeats himself a lot. So you watch him like in a press conference, someone asks him a question, he'll answer it. He'll say the exact same phrase again, then he'll say something, then he'll come back and say the exact same phrase, like sometimes three times in one response to the question. So he's doing all this repetition, which I know the anti-Trumpers, I know this one, drives the anti-Trumpers absolutely crazy. They go, what an idiot. He can't even complete a sentence. He's repeating himself. He's incompetent. Oh, I wish we had our smooth Barack Obama back again because he's intelligent. Donald Trump's an idiot. So why is it advantageous for him to do that? Well, what's funny is that the left does the exact same thing. They just do it in a different way. So they repeat the same narrative, the same points, over and over and over again, even if they're complete bullshit. And they do that in order to indoctrinate their group and push their ideas. So the 93% of scientists with global climate change, that 93% is complete bullshit. It's based on a survey, and it was uh, only a Right, and they even say 97%, which is total. Whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole thing is just complete bullshit. It's a myth. But it's been repeated so many times that people believe it and that's the trick is that if you people become disconnected from where they get information and it happens relatively quickly so there's information that we get externally and there's information that we get internally this external information is what somebody tells you 
The internal information is what you think about three weeks later when you think of what the person told you, but you don't remember who told you that. But now you believe it, even though you didn't believe it three weeks ago. So when Trump repeats himself like that, what he's doing is he literally kind of a hypnotic pattern. And I'm not a hypnotist, but it's a linguistically it's a hypnotic pattern. And what it does is three, four, five times he repeats the same thing. And two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks from now, the related topic comes up and somebody thinks, and he doesn't remember whether it was Trump that said it or whether it was somebody else or whether it was a guy on the news. I don't remember who said it, but I remember hearing blah, blah, blah. But that happens when you repeat something over and over again. It doesn't happen when you hear it one time. So by repeating something over and over again, what he does, he literally implants it into somebody's subconscious, and then they realize it later. It's a very, very powerful, high-level influence tactic. And, of course, the thing that Trump has to deal with is that very few people are going to get on board with him to repeat it. I mean, some will, obviously, and I'm sure that they repeat the narratives over and over again. So the few people are going to get on board with him, especially when he's just riffing like he so often does. He's not sticking to a script. So by repeating himself, I'm going to repeat myself again. He implants the idea into the listener's mind, who then will later accept the idea because it's something that they have found internally. They got it external, and they might not have believed it in the moment, but three weeks later, two weeks later, whatever, you get the point. Then when they remember it, then they're gaining that information internally and retrieving that information internally. It's disconnected from the source, and it becomes much more more credible to that person. And this is even when he's just repeating it as if, in other words, this happens when he's either really ad-living or when at a press conference, you know, one of the press asks him a question. And it seems like it casts him a little off guard and he goes into his own mind. It's not like he's repeating it every day. That's what you're talking about. I mean, but, but are you also talking about the fact that he just seems to be repeating phrases over without even knowing it, like in the same sense? Absolutely. 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 The more times you hear something, the more it sticks, right? So wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, what? Can you say that again? I said the more times you now hear I believe it. The more it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh we're having too much fun. All right, let me go to another one. Right I, I see we're running out of time. I got one more, uh, and then we'll have to say. You know, what we'll do. We'll save the rest for people after I, we do this one more. As always, we'll say this for the. We'll call it the advanced tip of the week. Go to lessonslearnedfromdonaldtrump.com, and you can get the rest of these and Everett's take on them. But here's another one. Now, this one, another one that just irks me to no end, is when a person uses the phrase, before they say something, they preface it with, to be honest. Or, i got to be honest now. See, I can't even think of it because I would never say this kind of stuff because it's outrageously ridiculous. Whenever anybody says, people hate me when they do this stuff, of course, because they'll go, you know, well, i got to be honest about it. To, be, to really be honest about it or to be honest, they say, I look at them, I go, so wait a minute, are we to assume that everything else you've ever said, that you didn't preface with that phrase, you were being dishonest? And, of course, they hate <laughs> me again and they look at me like I have 17 heads. But Donald Trump, of all people to be doing this, of all people to be prefacing once in a while a statement with the phrase to be honest and therefore suggesting that everything else was dishonest, you have someone that is accused of by his detractors of being the most dishonest person of all time in public life. I mean, it's endless. You see pundits on TV. Well, he's told over 3,422 lies, according to the New York Times, or I don't know what they're talking about. I don't read that crap, but they're like, they have a list of the number of lies. So if a guy is like being tracked with the number of lies by his detractors, of all people, that guy comes out and uses the phrase once in a while, to be honest, why is he doing that? Because that phrase, just like the phrase because at the end of a sentence, it creates an immediate response. Robert Cialdini calls it the click world response, the click world response. And so what he says is, he says, to be honest, and now... <laughs> 
it I got to laugh to hearing it. Uh, loads of people think immediately that what he's about to say is true. Now, there are a lot of people who also hear that in their quick world response goes the other direction. That we say, well, to be completely honest with you. That's me. Um, so you're saying that's so, me. So now they think. When I hear someone say that, person, I'm thinking this guy's a BS artist. Right. The other person thinks that you're full of shit. But most huh. people think that you're being honest and that you're disclosing something that you don't really want to disclose. So, well, right, that's what it throws off. It throws off the feeling of this is some kind of inside information, or this is something fact. really. I'm being special here. This is not. All, this is not just something I say. This is some pay attention. Exactly. Oh, come I on. I don't really want to tell you this. It's inside information. And it's the inside scoop. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So, to be honest, this is the deal. Um, <laughs> and. You know, and then and, and people, people eat it out. You know, people always want to be on the inside, even if the inside is what somebody says at a press conference that's being recorded and broadcast every corner of the earth. Doesn't matter. People want to be on the inside. You know, that's a great point, and now I wouldn't have had to ask you if I could have figured that out myself, but it makes perfect sense. That's like some, when someone whispers. It's a same, similar type of thing, right? When they turn, when they look around to two sides and then they whisper something, even though there's nobody there and... I, nothing I, secret, but I they're sending love, off like, oh, this is something, I'm going to share with you some inside thing. I used to love that when I sold on the phone, and I'm talking, I mean, I still sell on the phone because I still talk to clients and sell clients on projects and whatnot, but I'm talking about hardcore calling somebody up, dialing and closing them, and I would physically lean forward and kind of hunch my shoulders and give it, well, listen, can I, can I share something with you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, let's talk about powerful. People just ate that, but I, I always followed it with the physicality because I always I thought it helped my voice. But that one I don't mind because that I understand. You, but to preface one statement out of every five with the phrase "to be honest," does that not give off the feeling that the other four out of five statements were not honest? Only to somebody who thinks about it as much as you do. And, wow. and because you got to understand, most people don't think. Most people are a bundle. I mean, look, we're a ball of apes, okay? I mean, we're hairless things. And we are a bundle of conditioned responses that has, I mean, if you put an ape through the same life that we live, you would come out with very similar response. We're not difficult people to figure out. It's one of the things I've said for years is that, you know, the more I learn about marketing, the less I want people to vote because I realize how truly easy it is to manipulate people into doing whatever you want them to do. If you have a platform and you have an audience, it's insanely easy to manipulate them into doing what you want them to do. So no, most people don't hear that and instantly feel like oh, this person's a lying bastard. Most people hear it and they don't have any conscious thought about it at all. But somewhere in their subconscious, it's the because. Can I skip in front of you in line that Cialdini talks about in his book? Can the I skip because in front of you frame. In line? Yeah, and they say, no, you can't get in front of me in line. But if you just said, can I skip in front of you in line because I need to get this done, I'm really thirsty, I need to go get a drink afterwards. Something completely meaningless. And if you gave them a because, people let you get in line. There you go. You've already got an advanced tip that wasn't even something from Trump because I don't remember him doing a lot of the because frame. But you can see, dear listener, how much Everett Farnell is an expert on this type of stuff, on the power of words and phrases and what they mean. So next time you see Donald Trump giving a speech or answering questions of the press, you'll have a better understanding of some of the things he's doing. And when you go to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com and you get the advanced tip, we'll give you a few more and then you'll be an absolute expert. And then if you're in public watching any of this stuff and people are rolling their eyes or going, ooh, ah, ooh, you can seem like a genius or win a bar bet or both by explaining to them what it is. And then as a business owner, doesn't it make sense, Everett, that every business owner ought to use this kind of stuff? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're talking to your employees and you're talking to your vendors, trying to get a better price, when you're talking to your clients, trying to close a deal, you should always, always, always use it. That's the importance of a script, Steve. I don't like the idea of taking somebody and sitting them down and getting a day through the script. But what I do is get scripted responses and scripted chunks that you can move around. Once the salesperson knows what they're doing, you can move those pieces around so that the salesperson, you know, they might have the scripted chunks that they put normal normally at 15 minutes into the presentation, but today, because it's obviously important to the client, you're going to put it at five minutes into the presentation because you want to hook them in. Well, you understand what I'm saying, whatever. But it's important to have those scripted chunks because these little verbal changes, these little tricks, if you say because and then give a reason for one time and one sales presentation, you may or may not get it. But if you say because, but then you add in 20 other things in that presentation to move the client, move the prospect down the path of agreement to the ultimate sale, and each one of those things just nudges them a little bit more, nudges them a little bit more, nudges them a little bit more. Well, you can't do that unless, number one, you have completely internalized all these things, which is possible, but it takes a lot of work. Or number two, you have these chunks, these scripts, these sentences, these frames memorized so that you're firing back. Sounded natural, but you're firing back a response, but it's chunks instead of an A to Z so that you can actually interact with the client and or with the prospect and it's not like, okay, yeah, we're not there yet. we got to talk about this first, right? Because that always sucks. But these things are powerful and they make a huge difference in the number of sales that a company owner will close if they use and they get their salespeople to use the proper scripts and the proper frames and the proper verbal cues. They absolutely 100% do influence people powerfully. There you go, folks. We'll leave it there. They not only help you in politics, but they also work to help you make sales in business. And that's, of course, why, at least we hope it's why, you're listening to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. Speaking of which, we'll be back next week with another episode. Believe me, to be honest, because we have no choice. We'll be back with another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump, make sure to go listen to the rest of the episodes and get our advanced tip of the week by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time, unless you like being a loser. Some people do. Trust me.